Bucky Laughs. I'm your host for today's podcast, Bucky Lewis, on our continuing story of how comedy works. Today with me is my co-host, Tom Hayes. Tom, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Bucky. A nice, cold February gray day, but man, we're marching through. Is this Valentine's Day, Bucky? Yeah, well, I guess that's important for some people. We we talked about <laughs> we talked about that last week. This is a great podcast because we have a bunch of great comedy bits in store for you folks today, and we're going to start talking about how comedy works, and and it's not boring at all because you and I both have something in common in the comedy industry in our long careers is we both started with prop comedy, right? Absolutely. You know, I was a magician and one of the people that you're going to to feature today, Steve Martin, he enabled me more than anybody to cross over from uh, magic to comedy because he was, he started as a comedian. And when I saw him, he used a lot of comedy magic in his act, believe it or not. Yeah, he was blessed. He was brought into Disneyland at the age of 10, you know, taught how to do magic. They, they taught him how to play the banjo. He he would see all of those vaudeville shows at the vaudeville palace or whatever they called it. And guys taught him how to use rope tricks and then ends up on the Smothers Brothers. He was the first comedian. He would sell out Madison Square Garden. He was the first yeah, comedian. Right. To, to Nobody. Put- exactly. You know, Comedy had been delegated to clubs in small, intimate settings. You know, it, it was on television, but nothing on the mass hysteria during his reign, his early reign. Uh, how many times did you hear during the day? Well, excuse me. Right. Um, you know, well, let me, his, let's play. Uh, let's do it. Play it. Yep. Marimlin guy. Are you people up tired or something? Can't sing along? Okay, this half of the room. Good, we've got it now. Okay, now, that guy. Good. All right, in Chinese now. I remember when I started doing happy hours in the Cape, people just craved the laughter. Talking about Steve Martin, one of the greatest quotes, and it stuck with me forever, and he's absolutely right. He said, great comedy is characterization, and it's when you develop that character. Jack Benny, the the mastery of him holding on with that look. Right. And that everybody's waiting for it. And even though everybody knew what it was, they died every time he did it. Well, you know, your money or your life. Right. And then well, I think that's, that's also what George Burns and Groucho Marx did. They used the cigar as a timing mechanism. Exactly. And so we're going to listen to now. Let's listen to Gallagher here in, in uh, that signature routine hit. I did not come here tonight to make you laugh. I came here to sell you something. I want you to pay particular attention because the amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Fly-By-Night Industries, has entrusted who? Me. To show you the handiest and the dandiest kitchen tool you've ever seen. And don't you want to know how it works? Well, first, you get out an ordinary apple or two. You place the apple between, pen to pan. Then what do you do, gang? It's simple. You reach for the tool. It is not a slicer. It is not a dicer. It is not a chopper and a hopper. What in the hell could it possibly be? Yeah. 
Well, you know, as much as it's uh, improper, something hysterical about a, a food fight, you know, it's the ultimate sacrilege, you know, to throw. <laughs> We're all told us don't, don't throw your food around. And we get some great bits here today. And another type of prop comedy was the way a person's persona was on stage. And so that was a certain type of prop comedy. And who comes to mind on that is Foster Brooks. You know, I think that Foster Brooks is the comedian's comedian. And as you, you know, as I saw the clip that we're going to play on uh, YouTube, the master of insult, Don Rickles, Foster Brooks destroys him where, you know, this is what we can fill in for the audience. And hopefully they'll have enough curiosity later to look it up on YouTube. I mean, to see Don Rickles hugging the table. He couldn't sit upright and uh, crying as well as everybody else. It's a masterful piece. I have never met Don Rickles. <laughs> However, Mr. Rickles, you and I do have an indirectly real relationship. You see, I'm fooling around with your wife. So, you see, we, we do have something in common. I hope you understand, Don, that we have tried to keep this very, very discreet. So don't tell anybody, will you? My wife would be furious if she found out about it. And I must also admit you have a very, lo a very lovely home. Incidentally, you're out of scotch. <laughs> you know, there was a segment. I, I was I only saw it like once, but it's just so powerful. You'll never forget it. By the way, he says, don't get upset because it wasn't her fault. <laughs> he says, when I answered her ad yeah. in, the Los, in the Los Angeles Times personal column, <laughs> I knew this was a very lonely woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very funny stuff. They, yeah, it's there's so much cool and brilliant comedy out there, and I'm glad that we could bring this to people. Another person who used a prop, but in a different way, it, it was basically his face, and his face was so funny. I'm talking about Buddy Hackett. And, oh, God, yeah. uh, and he just had such a funny face. But we talked about this. It was the timing that he had was impeccable. You just don't wake up some one day and, and get that type of timing. That's a lot of years that he spent at the Borscht Belt. And so we're going to listen to this uh, famous routine he did. This one was on the Carson show. This guy is hunting for ducks. Bing! Shoots a duck. The duck falls. A lot of you people want to conserve ducks. And you're worried this is it's only a joke. The duck didn't really die. <laughs> and... You conservationists, I'm sure you're all pure vegetarian and don't eat meat or anything like that. And you're so worried, I hope a butterfly flies up your nose and you choke to death. <laughs> so now, uh, just a passing thought. Oh, and I hope afterward the butterfly escapes. So now this guy shoots a duck and it falls and hits a barn and goes into a guy's yard. So this guy gets and he climbs over the fence and he goes into the yard and he's trying to get this duck and this farmer come out. Big guy. Bigger than the guy with the chickens. Big guy. <laughs> he says, what are you doing in my yard? 
He said, I come to get the duck. He said, that's my duck. He said, it's not your duck. He said, this is my yard. That duck fell, hit my barn. He's laying there. He said, yes, but that's it, not your duck. I shot the duck. I've been out hunting for a couple of days. He says, give me a break. You know, I'm from the city. You're from the city. Well, you don't understand about property, do you? It's my property. It's my duck. However, I'll give you a chance at the duck. We can settle this country style. He says, country style? He says, yeah. Well, how do you, how do you settle a country style? He says, how? I kick you in the groin. The guy said, oh. <laughs> and then you kick me in the groin. And we take turns kicking each other in the groin. <laughs> Who's ever left keeps the duck. <laughs> the guy said, well, if that's what I got to do. <laughs> the farmer says, I go first. And he hauls off. And the guy goes, ha, ha. About half hour has passed, and he says to the farmer, well, well, I guess it's my turn. And the farmer says, oh, you could have the duck. <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant timing. And, you know, I had to edit that because he was just, you talk about prop oh. comedy, he was using his body, and he was rolling around on the floor for a lot longer than that, just to just to really build up the expectations. You know, the, of the, the, the pantomime, right? The miming, the the, the pantomime. The the other thing, Bucky, I noticed with street jokes is the power of the story. You know, I'd go along doing my monologue, and when it segued to where I could use that street joke so the guys driving down the road and you know something happened the silence it was so powerful and david brenner used to talk about that he says you know it's not the laughter you get that makes you real powerful you are it's the silence that you generate do you because you know you've got a hundred percent of the attention of the people right but the power of story that it's like you're reading a child a bedtime story. There's just that hypnotism and like that's a beautiful story. I mean, he builds it up. The guy, you know, goes hunting. He's he's hunted for a couple of days. <laughs> you could know, feel his pain. Yeah, and, and it's and, and even the imagery. Uh, I mean, I could see the barn. I could see the duck hitting the barn. <laughs> it's it's magical stuff. Well, it's funny that we should segue into this next bit. And this comedian that we're going to listen to now uh, is the one that really changed comedy forever, like most all of them. In this next part of the comedy that we're going to listen to is Buddy Hackett had the timing of the punchline down so well. And these next two comedians we're going to listen to changed their whole routine, had the courage to change things around. This first one, Richard Pryor. He was a button-down guy, had a tie and a suit coat when he got up on stage, Merv Griffin and Johnny Carson. Absolutely. So let's listen to Richard here. He talks about what he started ultimately talking about the rest of his career, which is race of people. I went to penitentiary. Gene Wilder, I did a movie. I went to, not me personally. I mean, I went to do a film in penitentiary. Um, <laughs> and it was I was up there six weeks, Arizona State Penitentiary. Oh, man, it was strange because it's like 80% black people. 
And what's strange about that is that there are no black people in Arizona. And I was up there and I, I looked at all the brothers and it made my heart ache. You know, it's all these beautiful black men in the joint. God damn, warriors should be out there helping the masses. And I, I felt that way. I was real naive, right? And six weeks I was up there, I talked to the brothers, you know, and I talked to them. And thank God we got penitentiaries. <laughs> Well, you know, in the the genius of the contrast of the juxtaposition, you know, here he's building up. <laughs> he's setting you up, right. right? He said, you know, you know, my brothers, my and the, the tragedy of they're not out with the masses and making a difference, <laughs> and, and you're buying it. You, you, he's hypnotizing you. He's sucking you in, and then the rug pull. You know, thank God for penitentiaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This last clip is from George Carlin. He died in 2008. Let's listen to this uh, George Carlin bit as we close out this show today. Here we go. Because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from in this country? Have you noticed this? The media constantly running stories about all the latest infections Salmonella, E. coli, hantavirus, bird flu, and, and Americans are, they panic easily, so now everybody's running around scrubbing this and spraying that and overcooking their food and repeatedly washing their hands, trying to avoid all contact with germs. It's ridiculous, and it goes to ridiculous lengths. In prisons, before they give you a lethal injection, they swab your arm with alcohol. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Listen, this has been a great day. Absolutely. Bucky, again, let me compliment you on taking this format and doing it because I think we take people to a place that they always wanted to be curious about. What makes a comedian? What makes a comedian better than other comedians or different than other comedians? So kudos to you. I love it. Well, that's a part of Wicked Laughs here on the shores of beautiful Lake Guttapee here in New Hampshire. I'm your host, Bucky Lewis, with Tom Hayes, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Before you sign off, you know, up until I think the last time we talked, I thought it was a real place. <laughs> Don't tell anybody where we are. The fish is good here, so. <laughs> kind of like Lake Wobegon, right. you know? Well, from Lake Guttapee here, I'm Bucky Lewis with Tom Hayes. Gotta go. Because you gave it to me, and I, it ain't the way it should be. You took away.